Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I look back at Monday Night Raw from 1998. That's right. December 14th, 1998. And we also talk about Monday Night Raw from December 14th, 2020. Big difference in those 22 years. We'll break it down. We'll talk about it right here on the Busted Open Podcast. I think right off the bat, we can agree. And I wrote down, I have three pages of notes from the 98 Raw, Dave. Three pages. Normally on Raw's now, page, page and a half. I could not stop writing because so many things stuck out to me about Raw 98. But the one word that is constantly on this damn notebook is over. Everybody on that show was over. Everybody. The two people that got the least amount of a pop when they came out was Jeff Jarrett and Steve Blackman. Yes. Other than that, every single person was over to the moon. Every person had a story. Every person had something. There was depth of character. And look at the reactions to all of the roster then. You only get those type of reactions now from a small handful of talent. I mean, when gold, let's take something as simple as gold dust pointing towards the corner because he was going to hit the shattered dreams on Owen, I believe it was, on the blue blazer. Yep. All he did was point to the corner and 19,000 people popped. So whenever fans, this is especially for younger fans who listen to our show. Whenever you hear me or Dave compare to 20 years ago, we're just doing it so people can see and hear with their own eyes what it used to be and look like and how much fun it was. I think it was, it's, a great, it's a great barometer for everything that we don't like today. Yeah, and, and there's some things that happened back then, too. I'm sure while you were watching, we're making you shake your head a little bit. A lot of things that you talk about as far as, like, tightening of the screws, you could probably relate that to some of the things that were happening on that show in 1998. But the one thing you can't doubt, and there is none, you can't argue it at all, is how over each and every person that was on that show was. Like, he, like you know, like... Like you mentioned, Blue Blazer and Goldust. Not a good match, but don't tell the 19,000 fans in that sold-out arena about that. Because, And again, 
sold out. Michael Cole mentioned it at the top of the show. 19,000 fans. And that arena had been sold out for weeks. And we're not talking about New York or Chicago. If you're watching that and you saw that type of crowd, you probably would have thought that was a major show in you know a major city. That was Tacoma, Washington. And Tacoma was the B city. Seattle was the A city. And we only hit Tacoma maybe once a year. So it's not like when you got to the Pacific North, Northwest and, you know, Tacoma, you were like, oh, my God, Raw's going to be off the charts tonight. It's definitely not one of those cities that's synonymous with a crowd like we saw last night. And, and to be fair, too, and com- comparing the two shows, let's face it, pre-pandemic, if Monday Night Raw is in Tacoma, Washington, you're probably going to get a very sedate crowd in Tacoma, Washington. I mean, usually, like, I mean, that's the one thing. And there's, like, there's other factors, too. Cell phones being one of them, Bully, where if you watch a Raw, you know, before the pandemic, a lot of people are on their phones, they're tweeting, or they're just distracted from something else. All 19,000 fans in attendance for that Raw in 98 all were focused on what was going on in the ring. Also, the crowd's completely different. You know, I that that was a crowd more like what we probably would see now with AEW. That crowd in Tacoma, Washington, you would probably agree, Bully, was like an 18 to 35 crowd. That was a that was a quote unquote college crowd that was at the, in the, for Raw in Tacoma, Washington. When you watch a Raw now, let's face it, it's a mixture of you know, families, kids, some older people as well. I mean, we talk about it. The WWE, their their strong suit when it comes to viewers are the over 50 crowd. Because it's it's pretty much the people who are watching Monday Night Raw right now, Bully, are the same people that were watching that Raw in 1998. It's Correct just that it's 20, plus, it's 20 plus years later. So... When you look at what where the wrestling dynamic has changed, for better or for worse, and a lot of fans get upset about it, the AEW crowd, Jericho calls himself the demo god. Why? Because that demo is owned by AEW. You're not getting that crowd on Monday Night Raw right now. I felt like I was watching a crowd that would be at a rock concert or tailgating at a football game or at a hockey game. That's how live they were. And the first thing that I that I wrote down was the opening of the show, the energy and the vibe from the opening, you know, um, uh, you know, video that they played, the montage with the song that they used to the energy when they pan the crowd and obviously the signs. Oh, my God. What a what a fun memory that was to see all those signs and those people just going crazy. Now it feels like it's canned crazy. Crazy because they're like, okay, we're going live in three, two, one. Everybody get on their seats. As opposed to people that are just salivating and can't wait to be on live television. Uh, the energy, the feel, the vibe, it's kind of like when you're at that rock concert, Dave, and the house lights go off, and all of a sudden you could feel the energy rush throughout that whole room. It just, it, It's just a different feeling. 
And, and, and let's take the younger, and when I say younger audience for a Monday Night Raw, I'm talking about kids. Though, though lately, you know, before this pandemic, you didn't see a lot of kids in the audience. That was more towards live events, not for Monday Night Raws. But, you know, Bully, let's face it. You know, when we were, you and I were going to concerts when we were 18, 20, 25, we were nuts. We're at the front of the stage going absolutely, you know, you know, bonkers and crazy. When you go to a concert now, yeah, you get excited at the beginning and then you kind of fall into your chair at times. And not then, me. You, well, nope. not me either. But but a lot of but a lot. I, but I, I'm going to I've told you this, like I've gone to concerts where people are telling me to, you know, down in front at a concert, you know, down in front, you know, you know, sit down. Like, really? Like, I'm, it's not a movie. It's a concert. But as you get older, and I remember having this conversation with Bruce Dickinson. Bruce Dickinson said when, hey, when I went to shows when I was younger, I'd be in front of, front of, near a stage as I could possibly be. But now that I get older, I'm as far away from the stage as I could possibly get. It just It just happens with age. And you can tell that the WWE is kind of, for a lack of a better term, kind of aged themselves out in a lot of ways with the crowds and the crowd reactions. And all you need is to watch that Raw that we watched last night from 1998. I just popped huge for your Bruce Dickinson name drop. Oh, yeah, you know, I was talking to Bruce Dickinson. You know, he's only the lead singer of Iron Maiden. Yeah, me and Bruce, you know, we were chatting it up. You know, he said this and then I said that. Yeah, no big deal. You know how it is. Hey, you know. But... Um, <laughs> I digress. Seriously, though, bully. I mean, I I think in a lot of ways they've kind of, and even not and and not even with the crowd, with the roster too. That roster when and I was talking about it with Gabby. Everybody for the most part on that roster in 1988, 1998, phenomenal shape. Younger. You look at the roster right now in the WWE. Older. I mean, it's older. Even like somebody who's somewhat like I would think a newer person to a lot of fans like a Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles reminded you, this guy's been doing this for 18 years. This is a guy, Drew McIntyre, even though he just finally reached the apex, he's closer to 40. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's not, I, I'm not when I say when I say aged out, I'm not just talking about the crowd. I'm talking about the roster as well. Um, when I looked at that roster from 98, I was reminded of when the boys used to be men. Everybody looked like a pro wrestler. Everybody looked like that they wanted to be a pro wrestler their entire life. And now they had re finally reached, you know, the pinnacle, which was the WWF. Everybody had that, that swagger, that, that, that appeal to them. A lot of times these days, I, I see guys and gals who are playing pro wrestler as opposed to being a pro wrestler, which is a way of life. One of the things that also struck me right off the bat, Dave, <clears throat> and this was a thread throughout, throughout the show, is I don't feel like Monday Night Raw is very raw anymore. In 98, it was extremely raw. In Things like the... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, there was definitely some stuff that was on that show that would never, ever, ever fly today. Might even get you kicked off TV. First, you know, couple first 15 minutes of that show probably would have got the show canceled. Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, one of, 
one of the things the the quick cuts not not the quick cuts but like the the edgier cuts that they had i liked when we saw vince backstage with his with the stooges it was great to see pat patterson again um with the stooges and shane and everybody i liked how we were a fly on the wall catching their conversation and not you know with a camera just right in their face uh, I like how we were eavesdropping on Vince's conversation. Also, later on in the night, during the main event, um, when you got The Rock and Mick Foley fighting on the limo or something, I liked how the cameras picked up roving cameramen in the background. It didn't look so clean. It didn't look so perfect. It lit- It didn't look so polished. Everything is so clean today. It's so TV perfect. I was reminded by watching Raw 98 how Raw used to be Raw in more ways than one. Yeah, I mean, when you watch a a sitcom on TV and they're in the restaurant eating dinner, bully, you know, the friends are always sitting on one side of the table. Why? Because they have the camera shot, you know, in... When you watch Monday Night Raw, and we saw it last night, Asuka's watching the monitor with Nia Jax and Lana. She's situated in a way that nobody would be standing in the back watching a TV. Like, she's standing off to the left to the side so that the camera could get an angle of the monitor. That's not how people watch things. We talked recently about with AEW when they did that backstage stuff. It actually looked like a wrestler would watch a monitor in the back. And I I thought exactly the same thing. When you're watching Raw right now, it's so polished. And the camera angles are so perfect. And everything is so crisp and clean. It doesn't look, like you said, the lack of a better Raw. There's nothing a Raw about Monday Night Raw in 2020. You go back to 98, and, and Bully, you, you hit the nail right on the head. It's not about the language. We'll get into that. It's not about the sexual innuendos and all that stuff. Just by the production, just the way it was shot. And the perfect example is the one you brought up with that back back uh, parking lot brawl. Like, no, there wasn't the tight, tight, tight um, shot of the, uh, the facial expressions. No, the cameramen were backed up because they didn't want to get hit. So they wanted to make sure they were far away enough from the action where they wouldn't get hurt. That's what would happen if there was a real situation like that taking place. You saw about four or five cameramen or microphone guys in the background. If that ever happened today, Vince would be going ballistic because it wouldn't have been a clean shot. In the in the locker room shot where Vince was talking to the troops, you saw a boom mic in the shot. Vince and Kevin Dunn would be going crazy because you're not supposed to see that. No, it's exactly what I want to see. I, I, I wish the WWE could go back in time and, go, and, and just say, this is what worked for us. Why can't we borrow just a little bit of this? I don't see them borrowing it all when it comes to, the, the way they push characters or how ca- characters get over organically. I mean, look, just I mean, people chanting nugget, uh, the gold dust pop. I mean, in the opening segment, you had in the ring at the same time uh, or, or in the shot at the same time, the rock HBK triple H and the new age outlaws. And the only reason I rattled those names off of those are all hall of famous. 
And yep. there could have been another Hall of Famer. But that is some heavy-duty firepower. In the opening segment, you talk about keeping people on a channel. Who do we ever... These, what did we get in the opening segment last night? I don't mean to shit on The Miz or Morrison or AJ, but come on, man. Yeah. And listen, like, I'm not even like, I, 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 I'm going to be honest. I didn't think the opening segment of the 98 show was really funny at all. But it was like, long. You, it was too long. It was it went way on too a little long. too long. And you and, know how, you know how, you know, it went on way too long, Dave. Do you have any idea? I, I felt like they're kind of repeating some of the same things over and over again. You could tell by the match that followed the opening segment, Val Venus and the Godfather versus the Brood. They had to rush through that entire match. And even the the finish got a tiny bit wonky where I think the finish was just like a fisherman suplex out of nowhere for the one, two, three. And Edge is basically standing there with his uh, Johnson in his hand because he didn't know what was going on. So that's how you know the opening segment went long. Hi, this is Adam Shine. The Adam Shine Podcast is back for another football season. I'll give you my passionate, hard-hitting takes every week, including picks against the spread and fantasy football advice, all while talking to the biggest guests in all the sports, celebrities, media personalities, diehard football fans on a weekly basis. It's the Adam Shine Podcast with new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. You can listen to the podcast anytime with the SiriusXM app, iTunes, Pandora, and with Stitcher. You said that that night, uh, Raw 98 did a 5.3 rating. That was December of 98. Late 99, early 2000, Raw was topping off at an 8. 7, 8, 7, 9, 8, 8.1. Absolutely ridiculous ratings. Ridiculous numbers. And think about what we're looking at now, a 1.7. 1.8 maybe Who unopposed knows? unopposed because um, really bully you would agree like in 98 that was where it was almost the wrestling audience was almost split in half between wcw and wwf and you can talk to me until you're blue in the face about uh people watch tv differently or it's a different time blah 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 If you build it, they will come. And if you build your roster and people are over, they're going to tune in. I don't care what you have to do to get eyes on your product. If you have something that the people want to see, they're going to tune in no matter what. And when I compare the characters of of 98 to what I see today, I just don't see any any depth today yeah there might be depth to one or two people a small handful but man i looked at a bunch of talent from 98 and not because i know these people or i worked with these people or this was my generation no i'm looking at it from the fans point of view i'm looking at guys that had had that, that had a, a multitude of personality aspects we don't get that today who has the most depth in the WWE? The Fiend. He's got he's got a lot of layers to him. I think Seth's got some layers to him. But for the most part, it's it's hard to it's hard to get into the characters today because I don't know what I'm supposed to respond to. Yeah, I can respond to a move, 
but it's just a move. Yeah. We didn't see a lot of moves last night. You know what I found interesting? What's one of the biggest complaints that we have about, like, uh, let, let's compare it to AEW for a second. What's one of the knocks that we have on the in-ring product? It's very spotty, right? Yeah, a lot of, uh, sell. you know, not a lot of selling, a lot of moves just for move's sake. Okay. Would you say that last, that Raw 98 was spotty? No. It was extremely spotty. How extremely. So? Not in the same way we see spots today, which were which are very exaggerated with like, you know, tackle drop down, duck two, leapfrog, handspring over four fifty, watch the super kick, duck down. No. If you watch those matches from last night, every single match had guys shooting each into each other into the ropes repeatedly. But it was like shoot backdrop or shoot duck one back elbow or shoot drop kick or shoot reverse splash in the corner. Everything was shoot, shoot, shoot. And even if it's just a shoot splash in the corner or shoot clothesline, it's still a spot. It might not be as exaggerated of a spot as we see today, but still a spot. I was I was like floored by the end of the show. I'm like, holy crap. It's like everything was shoot or shoot reverse. And realistically, Dave, you don't need to use the ropes in pro wrestling. It's very it's not a very realistic maneuver to shoot somebody into the ropes and have them bounce sure. back off it's it's showmanship it's a part of pro wrestling it's part of the entertainment value if you do it once or twice in a match it, it's cool but they did it so much last night so spotty in a different way but still extremely like my God, you don't need to use the ropes. That You don't have to shoot a guy in to give him a clothesline. Just pick him up and clothesline him. You don't have to shoot a guy in to drop kick him. Just stand up and drop kick him. You don't have to shoot a guy in to give him, uh, you know, uh, 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 what? pick a move. You can just do it. But the guys back then, they relied on shooting each other into the ropes a lot. Hey everyone, this is Lisa Ann and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, The Lisa Ann Experience. This is my chance to share with you my experiences past and present, including how I went from living in the fantasy world of adult films to talking fantasy sports on Sirius XM. Each week I'll introduce you to some of the people I've met on my journey and invite friends on to help me read through the endless ridiculousness that lands in my inbox. New episodes are available every Wednesday on the SiriusXM app and Apple Podcasts. Now, before we get into Mark Henry, and I definitely want to get Gabby's take on Mark Henry, you mentioned the Blue Blazer and Goldust. And again, this this match, you know, not nowhere's near a five-star match. Blackman gets involved, of course, and he had the unmasking of the, the Blue Blazer uh, as Owen Hart. Here's the thing. It's the crowd reaction. Because you mentioned 19,000 people chanting Nugget. Like, it's unbelievable how over this match was in 1998, Bully. Everybody was over. Yeah. It's hard to really uh, frame it in a different way. Um, Goldust gets a massive pop when he comes out. Everybody hates Owen. Uh, Huge pop for Blackman unmasking him. 
this is what happens when you invest time in every single character in a company and not just use them as background for your bigger stars. There were tiers, there were levels in the WWE. You had your main eventers, you had your semi-main eventers, you had your mid-carters. There was was never a monster drop-off in talent. And whenever somebody went down or wasn't available, there was somebody right behind to step in and take their place. And you wouldn't have to start from the first rung to get them over because they were right, they, they were only one rung beneath. Yeah. And next there he is. Oh boy. There he is. Oh boy. There it is. Like, come on. There it is. Hello. Hey, boss. What do you want? Uh, you know, the Dave guy and the bully guy are, uh, you know, they're, they're speaking very highly of Raw. Oh, they liked the show last night. Uh, well, not exactly, boss. Not exactly. They're, they're talking about Raw from 98. 98? Why would they be watching that? Well, boss, it was just, it's a better show. It's a, you know, it's a fun show. Well, damn it, I thought last night was fun. How about when the Riddle Kid was talking to uh, Bray Wyatt backstage? Uh, I think we might have jumped the shark on that one, boss, but uh, I'll get back to you later. Oh, my gosh. Do you think Vince McMahon ever goes back and watches like a Raw from 1998? I don't think Vince McMahon watches wrestling. No, he doesn't like it. That's for sure. (laughs) That's not true. Vince loves wrestling. It's his passion. Vince is extremely passionate about the sports entertainment industry and the WWE. I just don't. I don't know if people can, I think Vince's vision these days is so precise that it's difficult to meet his expectations. Is it, let me ask you this quick, and then we'll get back into the 98 Raw really quick. They obviously in 1998, they had a target audience. They knew what audience was going to watch their show. So they had like a group that they targeted. Do you think that part of the problem in 2020 is the WWE really doesn't know their audience? Think about it, Bully. Like sometimes some of these segments seems like they're they're geared towards a ten year old, and then there's segments that are geared towards you know somebody that's over the age of fifty. That's that's the most of the people who are watching the WWE product. It I don't feel like the Raw can actually gauge their viewership. Do you think that's true? I think looking at Raw is just one tiny aspect of the WWE machine. Okay. You got to remember, this is a worldwide business. And what we watch every Monday night, we might not eat up, but there might be millions of people in India or Europe or Australia or any other place in the world that gets the WWE product that might love it. Dave, we always go back to the bottom line and the numbers don't lie. When was the last time the WWE reported a loss? They don't. As a matter of fact, during a pandemic, they had one of their best quarters ever financially. So, I mean, what's Vince going to listen to? You know, hey, boss, Raw was the shits last night. Nobody liked it. There were a couple of good matches, but for the most part, people weren't invested in it. Yeah, but we made $43 million last quarter. 
I don't know what else to say, Dave. I don't know how else to put it. It's it's business. So if people are not loving one aspect of the business, which to me and you would seem like the most important aspect yes. of the business, he's going to look at the bottom line. They're putting out programming during a pandemic. I mean, we can assume that the USA Network, based on their history with the WWE, is probably not enthralled by the numbers, right? No, I would I would think that that's probably the case, yes. But Vince has been a hell of a negotiator with the USA Network, so I'm sure he's going to get what he wants in one way, shape, or form come contract negotiation time. Fox, different story. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, you know, and and we'll get and and maybe that's part of the problem too, because you know, '98, you had Monday Night Raw, like there was no SmackDown yet. You know, there was you know Monday Night Raw, Monday nights. Now you got Raw on Monday, NXT on Wednesday, SmackDown on Friday. You have the WWE Network as well, where people go. Hell, I mean, do you think Vince McMahon cares if you're watching Raw or subscribing to the network to watch that show in 1998? The network. <laughs> Yeah. The network. The only thing Vince cares about when it comes to Monday Night Raw is how much the USA Network is going to offer him come contract time. How much are you going to pay me to keep my show on your network? That's been a staple of your network for what twenty five years. It's been a while. I mean, the WWE and Law and Order basically keep uh, USA on the map, don't they? Yes. It always seems like if it's not like. Ms. and Mrs. or Monday Night Raw, it's it's Law and Order S S S V U. So you're so, right, you're right, you're right when you're right when it comes to that. But let's get back to '98 because you heard the music, Sexual Chocolate, our very own Mark Henry. Now, I really want to get the take of Gabby here because the only Gabby that the only Mark Henry that Gabby knows is the Mark Henry that's the host, the world's strongest man, you know, WWE Hall of Famer. World champion, not one, not two, but three different sports here on Busted Open. So, Gabby, what did you think of the first glimpse of sexual chocolate? Well, I mean, first of all, he's a baby because it's 22 years ago. I could, I was like, oh, my God, that's Mark Henry. Very well. And then, and then he's in the ring talking about making love. And, you know, he's on the mic. And, well, no, let's start with his entrance coming out. You know, how he's walking with his smooth walk with D'Lo. They got the two women with them. I think it was Terry Reynolds, and I don't remember the Jackie. other woman's name. Jackie. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're coming out, and I'm like, this is Mark Henry? I don't believe this is Mark Henry. I know Mark Henry as the guy who shuts things down if people start talking to me inappropriately. He's like, no, no, Gabby, absolutely not, absolutely not. Then he gets on the mic, and he's like, oh, describing this night with China. And saying he was worn out and, you know, they're getting under Mark Henry. I am. A sh- I don't know what I'm supposed to think about. I think I would have been more nervous if I heard this before ever meeting Mark Henry. I would have maybe not have the same relationship I have with him now, to be honest with you. Fridays would be very different with Mark Henry, but it was amazing. I loved it. I think it was people, the crowd, first of all, they're dancing to his entrance. You know, they're feeling themselves with him and D'Lo. Like, it was awesome. But, I mean, Mark Henry, Friday's going to be weird for me. I'm not going to lie. I don't okay. know if I could look at you the same. I think I think you'll I think you'll be okay. D, uh, Gabby mentioned D'Lo. D'Lo definitely 
very big in that segment as well. Just his facial expressions as Mark were talk was talking was I mean each one hit the mark, bully. Delo's facial expressions sold the entire segment for me because you could see Mark on the microphone. He's trying to remember what he's got to say. He's doing his best with his verbiage. He's still very young at the time over there. Um, but Delo just, you know, all wide eyed, like, oh my God, you didn't. And then, and then Mark springing it on everybody. He's like, Delo, you were there. You were videotaping the whole thing. He's like, oh yeah, that's, you know, that's right. So listen. Whether that type of humor is your cup of tea or not, it worked. How do you know it worked? Because the people told you it worked. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Hey, everyone. This is former NFL linebacker and current SiriusXM NFL radio host, Kirk Morrison. And I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, Total Coverage. Each week, I'll be joined by some of the greatest minds in the game as we explore the hows and the whys behind the week's biggest results. Whether we're breaking down player techniques, game plans, or coaching philosophies, we'll explain the details that define our favorite performances. New episodes will be available every Tuesday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple Podcasts. The way Raw started last night, I is that segment supposed to hook you? Because at least the 98 one, you had Triple H, you had, you know, you had DX, you got The Rock come out, Shawn Michaels, they set up for the main event that's taking place later on in the show. The Rock was entertaining as all hell. Can you please, am I missing something right now when it comes to Miz and Morrison? I'm not going to try to break this down. I'm going with how I feel when I watch something. <clears throat> I, I, I think I was mildly at best entertained by that opening segment. And I think I was mildly entertained because I saw the effort put forth by Ms. Morrison, AJ. They all tried very hard to take what they were handed and make work. And that that opening segment really does play to Miz's strengths because he's an over-the-top entertainer. I guess Morrison did a good job of imitating Drew. But when I'm watching that, there's nothing there for me. Like, I... A lot of people, they'll, they'll jump on Twitter, David, and they'll be like, oh, but if AEW did it, you'd love it. No, if AEW did it, the performers would have so much more say-so in the skit and the performance that they would make it entertaining for us. As opposed to some, whoever came up with this opening segment, and just, I don't know. Just not there for me, man. Well, here's the thing. Um, first and foremost, maybe that segment would have worked in 1995 because that's when Braveheart came out. Like, they're actually doing this, like, Braveheart spoof with Drew McIntyre from a movie from 25 years ago, Bully. Like, come on. Well, they put the whole Braveheart gimmick. But, but then to that point, they put the entire Braveheart gimmick on Drew. I, I, but you know what? They've done it in a spin 
where it's like it's a modern day. Like I understand it for us, you know, for for somebody that loved that movie. I see that. I understand with the sword and everything else. But now they're throwing it in your face. And honestly, is there anybody under the age of 25 that would be watching that show and watching that segment that that know what the hell they're doing and trying to what they're talking. It's almost like they know their audience now is over 50 and they're, and they're writing this show for somebody who's over 50 years old. When I watched the opening of raw from 98, yes, it went too long. Yeah. And and the joke got a little old, but like I, I watched it and I was excited for the rest of the show. They got me ready. Like, if, if, if that was, if, if what we saw on Raw 98 was there, Detroit Rock City, well, then I, great. I, you got me, and I'm ready for the rest of the concert. Last night, no. And I don't want to sit here. I don't want to shit on it because I don't want to do that to the performers because they tried their hardest to make it good. But that whole opening segment, skit, whatever it was, just like, did that get me ready? Was I was I like, oh yeah, baby, this is gonna be a great raw. You're not there. I'm not getting hooked, and I don't know who they are hooking. I I don't because and Miz and Morrison, those are the last two people that you should use to start the show to hook people. The way they've used Miz and Morrison, forget about raw. I'm dating back to when they were on SmackDown. Since Morrison has come back. They have just used those two almost like enhancement talent. Like they, they, and, and bad, like that's the way you start the show to hook people. You're right. The segment didn't come off in 98. It didn't, but you had the rock. You had, you know, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, you know, road dog, you know, they had the star power in the ring. They didn't hit a home run, but you had the star. You open the show for a go home show for TLC with Miz and Morrison. Why? That's how you set the tone? Complete disconnect. Complete, complete I've run, disconnect. I've, I've run out of ways to personally say I don't like something and professionally say I did not like something. It's just not grabbing me. There, there are times when you, you, you seek out a form of entertainment where you just don't like it. You don't know why. There's no rhyme or reason. It's just not, it's just not you know? It's like an attraction, a man, a woman, you know, whatever. It's like, no, th- that person is just not attractive to me. Well, why? I-, I don't know. Just not my cup of tea. But you would, but you would agree that you know, in order to survive, especially in the TV business, you have to skew younger. You have to get that younger audience. And and I'm sorry, but like a Braveheart reference from 1995. And for the most part, what they're doing with Riddle, which is just like Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, a movie that came out 40 years ago. I mean, I I think they need to they they need to update this show. You mentioned last week update it in the way of like how it's presented the way that the show flows but i think the way this show needs to be written it's got to get a little bit more modern and and i don't mind things going over my head because i might be too old to catch it at least they would be skewing towards a younger audience bully i would bring in personally i would bring in an an entirely new creative team and vision now the problem is vince is still the 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 final yes and no person so everything has to get through him 
And when I say not only are you performing for an audience of one, but creative is writing for an audience of one because it has to get past Vince. People, there are people who say that, you know, Vince is the problem. I, I can't, I can't bring myself to say Vince is the problem because of all of the great things Vince has done and he has created. There are a lot, there are things that are, are done very well in the WWE that Vince has his fingerprints on. But there are also a lot of things, there are more things than not that are just completely throwaway. I would like a fresh perspective on the world of sports entertainment in the world of the WWE. You have a shitload of people there who have no idea what wrestling is supposed to look like, sound like, feel like. But I think that's what he wants because he doesn't want a typical pro wrestling feel. He wants an entertaining feel to it. Well, if you want an entertaining feel to it, let's go back and look at what was entertaining from 98. Why don't we put that kind of feel on it? Hey, everybody, this is Fran Frischella, host of the podcast World of Basketball. The game of basketball has truly become a global game. Markovic buys it into Mickey, and somehow it goes in. Each week, I talk with the players, coaches, and executives who have led the way in growing the game of basketball around the world. Real Madrid has stolen victory from the jaws of defeat. Episodes are available every Thursday on the SiriusXM app, Pandora, and Apple. Podcasts. After our conversation yesterday, um, in a in a in a match that really didn't mean anything. By, by the way, when I say that match didn't mean anything, it didn't mean anything to anyone that was in that ring. Correct. Uh, you're not building towards anything. He doesn't have a match coming up at the pay per view, uh, and then he takes the loss from Miz and Morrison, who have been as booked as horrible as you can possibly be booked. I would uh, I would think that that was a wasted segment with Keith Lee last night. Okay, but based on we, what we spoke about yesterday, I told you, we, we, we talked about Keith Lee being sent down to the PC for extra work along with, you know, some, some other talents like uh, Dio Madden and <clears throat> AJ Styles' uh, bodyguard and Otis. So I tried to give you the positive and the negative of the decision to send Keith Lee down to the PC. I told you that the positive was Vince sees something in him for the future and wants him to get extra work and is investing in his talent. I told you the negative was Vince thinks he's the shits and you need more work. After what you saw last night, what do you think it is, A or B? I think it's probably B. Yep. I really now, do. I, to- I-, I told you after the Randy Orton match that I said, something's up with Keith Lee. I'm not seeing the same guy in the middle of the ring that we saw in NXT. What did you see last night from Keith Lee? Well, I'm going to compare it to a game that I watched on Sunday. I watched the Cowboys and the Bengals play on Sunday, Bully. Uh, the Bengals, probably outside the Jets, are the worst team in the National Football League. They were completely lifeless in that game against the Cowboys. It didn't even seem like they wanted to be on the field. I felt watching that match with Keith Lee, I felt like the life was just taken out of him. I just didn't see any kind of energy, any kind of charisma. He felt like somebody that was, and and I love Keith Lee. I felt watching that match last night 
like he was going through the motions. I saw a Keith Lee who no longer knows who Keith Lee is. No longer, no longer knows what Keith Lee is all about and where, how Keith Lee should work. Everything that, that made Keith Lee confident in NXT, in his matches, whether you liked Keith Lee's matches in NXT or not, we never saw this uncertainty in his eyes like I saw last night and have been seeing the past couple of weeks. Last night, I saw a guy that was trying to be stronger, trying to work more like a big man, but it was so unnatural to him that you could see him thinking. If you go back, you got to remember, in NXT, these smaller guys worked around Keith Lee's size, and then when Keith Lee worked with a guy with size, like a Dijakovic, all they did was little man stuff. Keith Lee doesn't know how to work the way Vince wants him to work. Thus the uncertainty, thus the the quirky movement. In the beginning, they tried to show how aggressive he was with a spinning back elbow and getting out of this and ducking this and doing this. Trying to be something he's not comfortable with. Now Keith Lee is in his own head. So Now we're going to see how he's able to persevere because one of the hosts on this show was put through the ringer. And he came out on the other end as a Hall of Famer. And that's Mark Henry. Let's see how Keith Lee handles it. But it was but it was different with Mark Henry, though, Bully. Like, you know, Mark Henry was a presence. He was an athlete from outside the world of pro wrestling. Keith Lee, for me, was must-watch TV on NXT. He was an indie spot guy. Bully, he got me to believe. He, he was unique. He was different. I don't look at Keith Lee as an indie spot guy. And maybe that's He was definition. unique and different because he was a big dude who could do the indie style. And that, and but that's what made him special. A guy in, that size isn't supposed to do what he was able to do in the ring. Who is he going to be able to do that stuff with on the main roster? There's guys he had chemistry with. There's guys that I I know he can that they built stories with. I do not believe, I'm telling you, Vince is looking at Keith Lee in a much different way. I don't think Vince is a fan of Keith Lee's style. Not as Keith Lee is a person. That, that's, we're not talking about that at all. No. In-ring style. Bully, if Keith he, Lee had the benefit in NXT. He had the benefit of working with the Chompers and the Garganos and all those guys who could fly around around him and sell his size. He had people working up to his size. And when he worked with somebody of his size, they both worked down to the level of guys much smaller than them. And to a certain fan base, that will work. It's not going to work on the main roster. What other man of size works that way on Raw or SmackDown? Could you, somebody I think he already has chemistry with? Drew McIntyre. Drew Randy doesn't Orton. work. They're not working that Keith Lee style. They're working 
to, they're having to work around Keith. But, Bull, you've talked about that the, the wrestling that excites you more than any other is when styles clash, that you don't have two guys in the ring that are doing the same thing. Correct. So if I'm, let's just take AJ Styles. If, if I'm watching AJ Styles versus Keith Lee, I'm expecting the high flyer AJ Styles to do the ground, to, to take uh, take on the big man, the power man, Keith Lee. If AJ Styles does a couple of power things and Keith Lee does a couple of high flying things, it balances out. But if I'm watching the big power guy and Keith Lee just work, work AJ Styles' style, it's just flip-flop and fly wrestling. If Listen, I was entertained by the Keith Lee-Dominic Dijakovic matches because to see two guys of that stature being able to do that style of match, to me, was kind of impressive at times. I'm telling you why it's not going to work on the main roster. I'm not giving you my opinion on it. I know. It. I'm telling you why it's not going to work, and I'm trying to bring you in into the eyes of, I, I guess, Vince on this one. And I could be totally wrong. No, you're right. You're right, Bully. <laughs> and, and listen, I don't know. I'm not there. But the way you've explained it and the way it's playing out and you knowing before shit hit the fan. Like, this isn't you've, – you've kind of been talking about this since – the end of August, beginning of September. So this isn't new. The weather was still warm when you were talking about this shit. And the way it's played out, it's pretty much gone the way that you predicted that it was going to go. So I think you are hitting the nail right on the head when you talk about Keith Lee. But as a Keith Lee fan and seeing what he was able to do on NXT, this is a special talent that you know what? You work around. Bully, right now especially Monday Night Raw, they're really lacking people that I you care about. You do not work around that. No, you, you can't work around Keith Lee because now you're asking everybody to work around him. That's not how it goes. If Keith Lee is going to be a six foot two, six foot three, three hundred pounder, he has to work like the rest of the six foot two, three hundred pounders. And he has to be the what Vince's vision of him is. I've gotten to this point because you can I can only form my opinions based on what I see and knowing how they think. Mm -hmm. I know Keith Lee beating Randy Orton on night one was a bit of a force feed in the hopes of getting him over. How the hell did... How the hell did we have the moment with Brock Lesnar? How the hell did we have the moment, the, the, the match with Randy Orton, and, and where we are right now? There's only one person who can make this call. We're, we've seen a regression of Keith Lee yes. when it comes to his positioning and the way they have used him, right? 100%. There's only one person making this call. And if that person is making that this call, that means that Keith Lee is not getting over in Vince's eyes. Or Vince doesn't like something about whatever it is about Keith Lee. And you could say all you want, but oh, on the network special, Vince put him over and was nice to him. Yeah, Vince knows the camera's on. 
All right, now, all right, so let's say, let's take this as a reality. Vince McMahon, hey, this is a big guy. He's not working the way I want a big man to work. We got to change this. So you're never going to get, it's safe to assume, you're never going to get the Keith Lee you saw on NXT on a Monday Night Raw. I mean, we haven't. We haven't up to this point. So I'm guessing now, hey, man, he's going to have to adjust to what Vince McMahon wants to see. And if you want to see the Keith Lee that was on NXT, it's when his contract's up and he goes someplace else. Because that is not the vision for Keith Lee on the main roster. It's not Vince's vision for him. If if Keith Lee is going to be able to... If Keith Lee is going to be worth any kind of money to Vince, he's going to have to work the style that Randy would work and that Drew is working, that Sheamus would work, um, or any of the uh, any of the other larger ta- talent. Psychologically sound, and look, even when Keith Lee tries to do a couple of his like more spectacular things, last night he tried to do a jumping kick, right? A jumping yeah. spin kick, right? How did it look? Not good. No. So if you're going to be six foot three, 330 pounds, and you're going to do a jumping spin kick, it better be off the charts. You've got to blow people away. It's going to be like, holy shit. Did you see that? That was incredible. His was just like, ugh, he probably shouldn't have did that. How about a couple of weeks ago when he tried to do the dive over the top rope, right? Yeah. If you're going to be six foot three, 330 pounds, you do a somersault flip or whatever the frick that dive is called over the over the top rope to the floor you better do it so people are absolutely blown away by like oh my god kind of like brock lesnar doing a shooting star press you got to do it so freaking good that people are floored by it that they would never second guess you doing it in the first place what happened with keith lee when he did it yeah fell flat who's watching all this vince Remember, it's not my opinion on Keith. I'm trying to bring you in on how he's viewed and what they need him and want him to be. And and when because you have the, somebody because in your the head, internet, it's... darling Keith Lee, the the, the internet, you know, every, oh, we love Keith Lee, we love Keith Lee. Yes, if he stays in it, if he would have stayed in NXT, that would have been completely fine. But now, you know. Uh, Eric Bischoff just recently said some very nice things about me um, on the 83 Weeks podcast. And he, he talked about how in the WWE, you have to learn how to wear the skin that they put on you. Some people can do it and some people can't. Keith Lee is going to have to learn how to wear the skin that Vince wants to put on him. This is what I need you to be. You look like this. You have this kind of presence. You have, you can be, uh, uh, you could be something for me, but this is what I need you to do to get there. Because the stuff that you did caters to a smaller audience. If you don't think I'm making sense or you have any questions, feel free to ask. Mike, the way you presented it, like, this is what the WWE wants or what Vince McMahon wants. How can I question that? And all you have to do is watch him since he went to Monday Night Raw to see there's somebody in his head. There's somebody in his ear. He is not working the same way that he did on NXT. You can say, like like a football team, this is a new offense that he has to call. 
He's not comfortable with it. And now he has to go and relearn this system because the one that he ran in NXT is not the same game plan that Vince McMahon has. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.